Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 1095. This is my interview with Ryan Renteria, and we're discussing how to lead without burnout. Enjoy. G'day, Ryan. Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Lee. Really appreciate uh, being on. You're probably in the afternoon there somewhere in the United States, I assume, huh? Yes, in California. It's uh, beautiful and sunny out right now. California. Yeah, okay. I just visited recently. Nice one. Nice one. Mate, so tell us a little bit, a bit about yourself. What are you up to and, and what do you do with yourself? Sure. Uh, my primary uh, walk of life is as a CEO coach. Uh, and I work with um, CEOs on a whole wide range of professional and personal issues. Uh, a lot of CEOs are you know, lonely without many trusted sounding boards. And so uh, having somebody to talk through these issues with um, and, and to provide evidence-based counsel on, on a lot of these things, they, they find quite helpful. So but the issue is, is that it's very small in terms of scale. You can only impact so many people. And that's why I decided to uh, write this book, Lead Without Burnout, so I can communicate some of the key lessons for how you can actually, you know, lead without burning out and achieve what you want to professionally, but also have better balance and, and better health and relationships. Yeah, I know you talk about like work-life balance. It's a really important topic, um, one that I've struggled with uh, a lot um, because I love to work. Um, and I have felt the effects of burnout um, and particularly, um, you know, when life is good and your health is fairly good and you still can work hard. But then if you have a, a family member die or pass or separation, things like that, um, that can really impact that burnout fatigue as well. So what is work-life balance in your mind? Well, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, it, it's really not being... Uh, it, it is not having this illusion, this perfectionist illusion that you can be a 10 out of 10 at mm. everything in life, that you can be an absolute dominant rock star, the greatest CEO or greatest senior leader that ever lived. And, and uh, you know, also be at all of your kids events and, and be in tip top shape. It's just not possible to have yeah. all of those things. No. So re- really the, the book is about how do you become a, nine out of 10 in the two to four areas that matter the most to you. Uh, and that's how I view work-life balance is really, you know, being a nine out of 10 in the areas that you find are most important to you. So being a nine out of 10 in the mo- in the two to four most important areas, what would be the four most important areas as a general consensus? Sure. So I have a, uh, a wheel of life exercise in the book that um, sort of looks at the eight major areas. Um, everything from uh, health to family to purpose and impact at work, volunteering, et cetera. And it's really up to the individual to go through that exercise, rate where they feel they stand on that on a scale of one to 10 now, and then take a look at where am I falling short and where do I really want to be? And then I have a second exercise in the book, visions and values exercise. You actually do that first, which is uh, a set of questions that you answer about, what you want for yourself long-term in terms of professional, personal, et cetera. And that helps guide you when you do the wheel of life exercise to, Hey, what's important to me, where am I on it? And what are the action steps that I need to take to get there? What's the wheel of life exercise? I'm just talking Uh, originally. Yeah. It was originally uh, designed by Paul Meyer and I've adapted it slightly. And, uh, it's sort of a, it, it's a wheel and you have eight, eight spokes, uh, with Uh these various categories and you, rate them all on a scale of one to 10 and you draw a line 
from, let's say you're five, you draw a line from the zero to five, and then you, you sort of see how balanced your wheel is. But really, oftentimes with my CEO coaching clients, it's really the point is to stimulate the dialogue on, gosh, this one's a three out of 10. Well, you know what? That one's not really that important to me right now. That's okay. This one's a six out of 10, but I want it to be a nine. This is a key area of focus. And so I don't yeah. think people spend enough time going through these types of exercises to really identify what matters the most to me over the next year, five years, 10 years, and how do I reallocate my calendar and priorities to achieve that balance? I'm just looking at the map now. We've got, and I don't know if this, this wheel of life changes, but you've got business and career, finances, health, friends and family, romance, personal growth, fun and recreation, physical environment. So. Yeah, so uh, mine is similar to that, slightly different categories, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 similar. Yeah. Do you have one on your website? Uh, I don't have one on my website. Uh, it's in chapter one of the book. In the book, okay. So just just recap that. So how would someone assess um, their will of life? Like with that will, you said draw a line. Do you rate each, each one, one to five or? Yeah, so you, you basically, and, and if somebody has that wheel in front of them, they it, it'll it'll be more clear, but yeah. you, you basically draw a line from the center out on each of the eight categories. And so you might go from zero to three on one, you know, zero to eight on the other, and then you draw a circle to kind of complete it. And that gives you a sense of how balanced or not balanced. Uh, the I get you. Okay. Yeah. But really the more important step is then the questions that follow, which are things like, okay, where did you rate low? Do you, is it very important to you to rate materially higher in that category? What are the action steps you could take to, to get there? And so that, that's more the point of the exercise, the, the art part is just to see, gosh, is my wheel really balanced or not so balanced, right? Well, it's probably a good tool to check in, you know, to see where, where you're up to, isn't it? A hundred percent. Because I think exactly. we get carried away with life in whatever capacity. And, and I mean, looking at the chart now, I can tell you that my wheel wouldn't be balanced because I know in some areas <laughs> I'm more extreme and other areas are just missing altogether, potentially, you know? So, um, right. but that's what, what leads to burnout then, right? Without that balance, going back to work-life yeah, balance. I yeah, I think the burnout comes from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe my desire is to be an eight or nine out of 10 in these three or four areas, but I'm putting 98% of my energy into work. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not getting those outlets. I'm not developing uh, beautiful memories with my, my kids or uh, I'm not getting enough endorphins by working out at the gym. And so, so much of my life is concentrated in one area that that is, you know, significantly impacting the burnout that I'm feeling or driving the burnout that I'm feeling. Mm. Yeah. Important, important stuff. I mean, with the, the people you work with, um, is there any common threads that you see that people are um, really doing to lead to burnout? Common threads that people are doing to lead to burnout. Yeah. A lot of it is, um, you know, a lot of it is, well, the, what got me here was being deep in the weeds, working on every single detail, micromanaging. And right. so it's very hard to give that up. Uh, yeah. And so that is usually one of the key drivers of the burnout is not having the ability to uh, trust and delegate higher level responsibilities to what are hopefully a players on your team. If you've gone through the rigorous hiring processes and that is what allows you to step back from the weeds and not only create more balance that allows you to mentally recharge, 
but actually spend much more time on something that is probably the single most important thing you could be doing for your business or your group. But it's one of the things that people think they never have time for, and that's deep strategic thinking. Mm. So it could be about M&A, markets, geographies, customers, technology trends. Uh, and people feel like, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, that's because you're deep in the weeds and micromanaging all the details on these various projects. And you better have time to do it because that's really what's going to drive your long-term EBITDA, profitability, returns on capital, et cetera. Yeah, that's a um, yeah, really valid point. So what what do we do to get out of the weeds? And I mean, micromanagement must be huge in what you see. Um, huge. Because yeah. people struggle to let go, right? They very much struggle to let go. And so what we do to um, to get out of the weeds, that's really the purpose of, of the entire book, um, Lead Without Burnout. And to yeah. give you a high level, it's it's really about creating a culture. And whether you're the CEO and you're creating it in the whole organization or whether you're running a, an individual unit, creating a culture of well-being that attracts those A players to you and obviously going through the rigorous hiring processes. And we have a whole chapter on that uh, to to land those A players and make sure they're A players. And then learning to trust and delegate higher level tasks to those folks, which they're thrilled to take off your plate because this is not grunt level type work. This is higher level responsibility. People crave autonomy, ownership, responsibility. And so then delegating to them, uh, which now frees you up the, you know, the, the time, obviously, to be able to spend on this deep strategic thinking and then having your executive assistant actually create it for you in the calendar, right? Sitting down, taking your wheel of life and saying, well, my priorities, my desired priorities are X. Now let's analyze my calendar for the last six months and they're way out of whack. And so how do I reorganize this calendar to reflect the balance that I want? And how do I insert deep strategic thinking into that calendar and make it immovable? Yes, if an important client comes into town, you can move it from this hour to that hour, but it can't get moved out of the week because it's one of the most important things. Mm. What um, what tools do you give to like your leadership, um, the people you're working with, the leaders, um, to help manage um I mean, obviously, you could probably walk through the wheel of life, right, and and sit down with them and find where they're off balance and then create tools tailored to them. But is there anything yep. specific that you really believe would help anyone listening to this to help them you know, manage their, their work-life balance better? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think it starts with very high level, the values and visions exercise. And while it's in the book, I can obviously happy to share the general concepts, but it's really yeah. asking yourself questions about, you know, where you want to be long-term professionally, where you want to be personally, what are the values driving that to help you figure out where do I want to concentrate my my efforts and my energy and where do I want my wheel to look like and my balance to look like? And then going in and doing that calendar analysis that I've talked about, really, you know, analyzing how do I want to spend my time? How have I been spending my time? So what meetings can I get myself out of or just eliminate altogether? Yeah. What work can I take off of my plate and give to this other person that I think is a rising star within the organization? And I want to see if they can handle it. So I want to give them more responsibility. Those are some of the tools that I would really use to to sort of uh, create that better balance and reduce the burnout that anyone can, can, can take and run with. Would you assess your calendar over like a month or a week or does it matter? Just look back to the past. 
I, I would look back really over the last six to 12 months and, yeah. and I would say, okay, I've, if I've completing the exercise on what I want and, and the wheel of life and I decided, all right, I want to put in X hours a day for the gym or for playing tennis or, you know, taking my mom to lunch, whatever it is that leaves Y number of hours. Okay. Well, how am I spending those hours? Well, it looks like over the past six months, 80% of them were spent in meetings. Well, which of those meetings were crucial for the organization to have and which of them, you know, if they're not crucial, you just eliminate them altogether. Uh, and which of them, yeah, the meetings must go on, but I don't need to be there. I don't actually need to be physically present. That's my chief of staff or my EA or a high level leader can give me the 80, 20 out of that meeting. And mm. this is how you start to create extra hours in your calendar that you say, okay, now am I allocating some of that to health and wellness, to family or, and, or the deep strategic thinking where I'm literally sitting in my office, either at, at work or at home. And I'm blocking out an hour or two where there's no interruptions and I'm reading and I'm thinking and I'm mapping out our, our strategy over the next five years and thinking about competitive threats and technology changes and what businesses I might want to buy. Mm. Yeah, really scheduling is uh, pretty critical um, to, you know, finding that balance in work and life. Um, and certainly I can appreciate time blocking, you know, blocking out your time during the day mm -hmm. to what's important, yeah. what's not. Um, but certainly, right. I mean, looking at your calendar, like there's so much stuff, Just I'm just reflecting on my own life, there's so much stuff in there. Um, that really I could probably delegate out. You know, there's more stuff in there. I already try and do a lot, but there's probably more in there. And then really bringing back hours to your day, like I'm just thinking about my my personal health, bring back mm -hmm. hours in the day to, to spend more time doing that as well. Right. Well, and the joke is, is that uh, some of the CEOs I work with, when they get really good at this, they start to have an identity crisis that, well, am I really needed in the organization anymore? What is there left for me to do? Now, that's a very high quality problem if you have, an entire C-suite of elite A players and you've outsourced a lot to them. But I, I always, you know, calm them down and say, of course, your your strategic thinking and your vision and, and uh, you know, is, is always going to be valuable and needed in the business. But a lot of people end up freeing up more time than they've ever thought that they would by doing these sorts of things. So, yeah, I guess you, you sort of don't sometimes appreciate, you know, that, that high level thinking and planning um, that is uh, certainly um, without it, you know, the business may not survive. Right. Yeah, that's right. And the imposter, imposter syndrome would certainly come in. You feel you sometimes feel guilty, right? You feel like, well, or how am I playing tennis when I've got people working? Yeah, that this is actually uh, one of the single biggest problems and impediments to all this is the guilt. It's what are what is my team? I'm modeling for my team. And so what are they going to think if they see me off doing these things? Uh, and B, am I going to fall behind my competitors if I'm off doing these things? And trust me that if you actually create the culture that I lay out in the book in terms of trust, candor, mental health, and well-being, that those employees are going to love you. They're going to be thrilled to work with you and execute for you. Uh, and also you're, you're, more likely to scale and grow your EBITDA and your returns compared to your competitors if you're doing these things. And so you're providing growth opportunities and better financial upside for them as well. So um, I think those are some of the things that take the longest and they're the hardest to get over, but can be by thinking about those sort of analogies. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, interesting. Um, you're talking about deep thinking and, and spending some time on that. I mean, planning for a lot of people is probably 
um, not noticed at all in their schedules, right? So spending time daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, uh, looking at the the bigger picture and, and planning your time. Um, yeah. And I, so I'm certainly guilty of that where I just, you know, you just sort of start work and work, 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 stop work and then, you know, you forget the year passes and you just go, well, what was the plan, you know, out of all this? <laughs> That's right, yeah. I think the uh, the statistics, it, it it's comical that something like 97% of executives stay, say that being strategic is the number one important facet of their job and 96% of them say they don't have enough time for it. I mean, that's absurd, but it's, it's the reality of the world that we live in. Right. Yeah. And one of my missions is to try to fix that. Right. Yeah. So what, what is a good balance to that? Like what would be a good balance in your eight hour work day or 10 hour work day, whatever it might be as a percentage, yeah. how much time should we be sitting down thinking about business, thinking about what we're doing, you know, planning, I imagine it's yeah. supposed to be a larger portion than than what we give to it, like not more than ten minutes. Yeah, and and so I think where what I always tell people to get them comfortable is you start off with baby steps. So you start off and you say to your your EA, or if you don't have an EA, you just do it yourself. I'm putting in one hour a week, and you choose whatever hour that is. I'm just making this up Monday at one o'clock, and let's say some important client comes into town and says, "Well, I can only meet Monday at one." You can't cancel that strategic thinking, but you can obviously move it and say, well, now I'm going to do it Monday at four or Tuesday at 10 or whatever it is and start off with one hour a week. And you, you have a notepad or, or you're doing it in Microsoft Word so you can save it in the cloud and access it forever. And today's strategic thinking might be about M&A. And I'm going to start thinking about what are what are some businesses if we do have a, a tougher economic downturn that I'm going to get a chance to buy and that are going to give me a stronger competitive advantage. Or it might be about markets. Where do I need to expand geographically? And what product lines do I need to expand? It might be about technology changes and, and changes in consumer preferences. And yeah. you, you start to see the value in that. And then you say, okay, well, now I'm going to put in two one-hour set one, two hour or two one-hour sessions in the week. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see the value in that. And now it's up to 10 hours a week. And you might include reading in that time frame. It could be industry trade magazines, it could be phenomenal new books. Um, and, you know, some of the CEOs say, so you tell me people are going to walk by my office and see me reading and that's, that's an okay thing. Well, yeah, not if you're reading a Stephen King novel, but if you're, you know, you're reading something that's obviously very important to the, the, yeah, to the business yeah. and, business and to your skill set as a leader, right? Yeah. So that's, that's how I think about it. And I coach. coach okay. So start well. small, do an hour. Is there a good time of the day to do strategic thinking? I would assume for me anyway, it would make sense to do something, um, Oh, it depends, really. But usually in the morning, I think I'd be, I'd be thinking more clearly. But sometimes I find um, the brain ticking at the end of the day too. You know. Yeah. So the the single least productive time in the workday is typically between two and four, when our uh, circadian rhythms dip and we're feeling the the extra weight of that bad night of sleep the night before. So I would avoid that range. Um, I the, well, the CEOs I've worked with like yeah, it's. <laughs> And they like that um, that I've suggested um, do that first hour in the morning at home when you're not in the office. Because the other impediment is, well, if I'm in the office, there's all these distractions and people are coming by. And I, I give them tools to, to, to do that to make sure people know that that is their uninterruptible time unless it's an emergency. But let's just say you, you start your workday at 8 o'clock in the morning. You might from 6.30 to 7.30 do that strategic thinking at home. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one option. Um, 
So yeah, and probably outdoors or something, stuff. going for a walk as well, doing something oh, like that. You're you're hitting it on the head. Um because walking in nature is actually one of the most proven ways to reduce anxiety. And so that's the other uh, thing I will suggest to folks is, well, if, if you're not going to do it at home and you're worried about distractions in the office, despite these suggestions to minimize them, take an hour and go take a walk in nature and do it then. Um, yeah. It's a little harder to, to take notes. You might have to stop and you know write on a notepad or type into your into your phone or something like that. So it's a little yeah. trickier. I guess you could get a, a like a voice recorder or something and just record. Or a voice recorder. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, do it on your iPhone. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. And then you talked about anxiety, and I haven't really touched on that, but anxiety in the workplace and particularly with leaders um, must be rife. You must see it all the time. What are people um, doing to manage their anxiety? And I actually, um, just a personal story, didn't realize I had anxiety until recently. I thought I was having a heart attack. Went to the hospital. They checked everything out. No, no dramas. And they said, "Oh, maybe it's anxiety." I said, "Well, I don't know. No. Um, I had anxiety, and a lot of people that I yeah. speak to now um, suffer with anxiety." Well, uh, I'm sorry to hear you went through it, um, and it's obviously extraordinarily common. So you're not alone in experiencing that. And mm. cheers to to being brave and courageous and opening up about it. And I open up about my own history with anxiety in the book for the first time, really in a, in a public way. Um, and I think that's one of the key messages is that even world-class performers, I mean, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies struggle with mental health, struggle with anxiety. Um, and, you know, part of the, the idea is to raise more awareness around that. Mm. And so there, there are certainly um, scores of uh, techniques that one can do from an anxiety perspective. Uh, I'm a huge fan of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, right. which yeah, is sort of a, yeah, it's sort of a rational way of attacking anxiety where you sit down and you ask yourself a set of questions to diffuse the anxiety, which is, gosh, is, is my mind just running off into kind of a crazy place where I'm overestimating the odds of the worst case scenario what's more of a reasonable middle ground that's that's more likely and i really need to gather more evidence until i jump to this kind of conclusion uh so really starting to kind of diffuse the anxiety and yeah. then mapping out the action steps so a lot of my ceos and myself you, your mind starts running at 8 30 9 o'clock at night and it makes it quite difficult to get to bed or ironically uh that that kind of mind running at 8 30 to 9 actually raises the odds of waking up at four in the morning and then not being able to get back to bed even though it's six six or seven hours later and so um the next is the plan of action steps so is this something that's in my control that i can take action on great i'm writing down right now in this notebook that i'm going to take action on this two days from now or tomorrow or this is the action step i'm going to take or it's something that's worthy of anxiety, but it's not urgent. So I'm going to put this in the calendar for February. And that is postponing the anxiety because it's not an urgent thing that I need to deal with now. Mm. Or mm. is this completely out of my control? And I'm executing the process to the best of my ability and the outcome is out of my control. That can be freeing because you're doing everything you can to yeah. maximize the odds of success, yeah. but it's out of your control, right? Mm. So um, that's, a a, that's a piece uh, and then distracting yourself and finding something else that you can put your full present uh, attention into. Um, and and really, you know, a lot of my ideas are, are building upon ideas that others have come up with in the past and putting my own spin on it. There's a, a book called Dare by Barry McDonough. And it's, it's really, uh, even though it's for 
I think written for people with extreme anxiety and panic attacks, and mine was a more mild form, uh, I found it very helpful. And and uh, the last step, which he uh, talks about in there, is um, really distracting yourself and finding something else to focus on. So being deeply present in a conversation with your significant other, or doing an activity with one of your kids, or going and volunteering, or something that's going to take your mind off of the rumination that's that's the anxiety is causing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good ideas there. So you talk about some of these ideas in the book too, eh? With the I do indeed. Yeah, yeah. With the CBT. Um, okay, anxiety. Yes, we've got to deal with that. Um, certainly, yeah, individually. Um, it's it's funny how common it is. What is the thing that you know? Why, why are we so? I guess not brave of of accepting anxiety and 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 you know noticing it's, that it's there. Yeah, I think it's a generational issue. I think the older generation was much more of a sweep under the rug. And this tough uh, oh, mentality. That's a yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and <laughs> that's really evident. You know, all the science shows that that's not the right way to approach it. And I encourage my CEOs to be open about it in their organizations because they're modeling for the employees that it's yeah. okay for them to be open about it. And think about uh, NBA players like Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, um, Swimmer, Michael Phelps. I mean, some of these yeah. world-class athletes and uh, celebrities that have spoken out have made people feel less lonely. Gosh, these world-class performers are going through it. It's it's okay that I'm going through it. And that's the first step is really yeah. understanding that it's okay, talking about it more, verbalizing it more. And a large portion of C-suite executives are experiencing mental health issues. And if you're a CEO, you risk those people walking out the door and burning out if you're not addressing it in your culture. So that's another huge theme in the book, uh, uh, how to address it in your culture. Yeah, right. And I guess if you're, if you're playing the old school role and sweeping it under the rug, you're really doing more damage because obviously if you do that, you'll be, you'll be doing, I guess, trying to deal with it in other ways, which are probably less healthy. Yeah. And, and, and what that let, let's get down to brass tacks. What that means is you are short with your significant wife, uh, significant other or your kids at home. You're not present with them. It, you, you blow up. You have a short fuse. It strains your relationships. Yeah. You don't get high quality sleep. Um, you're you're not focused at the gym. You're not pushing yourself. You're eating worse. All these are negative snowball momentum effect that feed onto one another. Right. Yeah. Good stuff, mate. So your book is available on Amazon at, um, yeah, Lead Without burn, Burnout, Growth with Less Stress for You and Your Team. Um, so people can check it out there. How can people best reach out to you? You've got a website or something they can go to? Yes. Um, I, you know, depending on when this podcast airs, uh, it's currently the book is in pre-order mode. Uh, it releases January 23rd. So you can go yep. to leadwithoutburnout.com. And if you sign up, it's free. We'll send you the intro to the book. Um, and the information on how to pre-order it or order it when it comes out. Uh, and you'll be part of the, I, I send an email once a month with insights on how to lead without burnout. Um, so that's leadwithoutburnout.com. Uh, yep. Yes. And uh, my main website is thestretch5.com for uh, uh, CEO coaching. Well, stretch 5 F um, F-I-V-E? Uh, F-I-V-E, yeah. thestretch5.com. Ryan Renteria, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate you having me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. One more thing I forgot to mention, all uh, proceeds uh, of the book will be donated to mental health charities. Oh, that's lovely. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Check it out at thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. 
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden white this is the hidden white my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon